Well, how many of you guys are watching the Super Bowl tonight? Okay, all right, that's good. First service was like, you know. Um, the, uh, okay, out of you guys who are watching, how many of you are rooting for the Chiefs? Okay, all right. Oh, Kansas people. All right. How many of you guys, wait, is that in Kansas? Kansas City is in Missouri, right? Okay, so you, what? All right, doesn't make it, that's AJ, sorry. Um, how many of you guys are rooting for the 49ers? Okay, a few more. All right, how many of you, you don't care because your team's not there? All right, yeah, that is, okay, there, there's where most people are at. Um, I, uh, there's only really two reasons why I will be watching the game tonight. The first reason is that it's like my last glimpse of football until August. Man, that's, oh. Okay, it's hard. It's off season, man. Um, but the second reason, I'll be honest, maybe some of you guys are like this. Maybe you're not even into football, but this is why you're watching the Super Bowl. The commercials, right? All right? You want to see some good commercials. Uh, the best commercials, in my opinion, and I think this is, this is how marketing works, and, but the best commercials are those that tell a, hopefully, funny, but a story. Okay, the best commercials are those that tell a funny story. We as Americans, we love to hear a good story. Um, we've spent, in, the, the, in 2019, we spent $11.32 billion with a B, all right, going to the, going to the theaters. Um, we, why do we go? Because we want to see a good story. All right, we want to see, we want to hear a good story. We like a good story. Um, I went to one of my, I went to visit a buddy this past week and um, just for a few hours and I walked into his office and just a, a good friend that I grew up with and I'm like, hey, what's happening? Tell me a good story, right? All right, t- like tell me something funny that has happened recently or tell me what's going on in your life. I want to hear, I want to hear a story. Uh, sometimes Kate and I will, uh, We'll pick up my four-year-old at preschool, and sometimes the teacher will tell us a story. Um, this past week, I think it was this week, maybe it was the week before, I don't remember. They all run together. But uh, this past week, I, uh, we, Kate picked up Toby at, at preschool, and the teacher's like, hey, let me tell you what happened today. Um, it's, a, it's a Christian school and so, in Fremont, and so she was going through about, there's this Old Testament story about this lady, w- widow who um, has like a jar of oil, and she's making, you know, food for her family and doesn't run out. Any of you guys, it's like, you know, none of you guys know what I'm talking about? Okay. Think back to Sunday school. None of you. Okay. All right. It's in the Old Testament somewhere. I don't even know where it's at, but it's there. And uh, so she's going through that story with them. And so God takes care of this widow and her family. And, um, and so she says something along the lines of, you know, God will never let you run out of anything that you need. Okay. And my son stood up and said, well, then why do I always run out of M&Ms? You know? <laughs> That was a story I heard recently, but, uh, but some stories are good, some stories are funny, some stories are short, some stories are long. We like to hear a good story, and the honest truth is that we are all part of a story, okay? We're part of a story, right? We like a good story, we're part of a story, and what's awesome is that we as Christians, all right, we are part of the best story known to man, okay? We get to be a part of it. We're like in the story. Uh, And Paul, really, he spends a good portion of his letter uh, to the Ephesians church talking about this story, talking about what God has done for us. And uh, and last week, we started a new series. We started through the book of Ephesians. And really, it's not even a book. It's it's more like a letter. We call them books. I don't know why that is. But uh, it's a letter that Paul wrote 
to, these, uh, to this church in this huge city called Ephesus, okay? Ephesus was huge. Um, it was one of the main trading hubs in Rome, and, uh, and it was just a, a giant city. And not only was it huge for trading, but it was also kind of the epicenter of worship for many Greek and Roman gods. They had temples everywhere. I mean, this was like people would travel from all over the world to come to Ephesus to worship their fake god. And, uh, and so this wasn't necessarily a Christian-friendly environment, and uh, and Paul, he actually had lived in Ephesus for two years, and he has been, we see this in Acts chapter 19, he lived there for two years, and many, many, many people, like the church blew up, like many people came and gave their lives to Jesus, which is awesome, okay? Eventually, Paul leaves, and, uh, and he goes from town, city to city to city to city, and a few years later, he actually gets arrested by the Roman government, and he's stuck in, a, in, in, in prison in Rome. And one day, for some reason, he decides to write a letter to this church that was in Ephesus, to this Ephesian church, these people that he knew and these people that he loved, all right? And that's where we get the book or the letter of Ephesians. Now, the first half of the book, as I explained last week, is super theological, okay? It's complicated. And the problem is, uh, Paul, he's just packing so much stuff. I could spend a sermon on, you know, on every verse, all right? And we don't have time to do that. And some of you guys are like, thank goodness, all right? Um, but, uh, but there's just so much, so much to talk about there. And Paul, he just kind of packs it all in. And what he's doing in the first half of his letter is he's saying, hey, here's the story, all right? Here's the gospel story. Or gospel just means good news. Here's the, here's the story of the good news, and then the second half of the letter is because it's, hey, this is the story, and because of this story, this is how we live our life. This is how it changes us. This is how it affects us. Now, unfortunately today, kind of like last week, it's going to feel a little bit like class. Um, I don't like teaching class. I hated being in class, so I totally understand where a lot of you guys are. And I also know that there's a few of you, again, like I said last week, who you're like, ooh, yay, love class. Can't wait to learn, you know? Um, most of you, you know, 90% of you, I totally understand that's not you. And I'm sorry, okay? But that's how this first half of this, this book is. Um, some of you You'll notice that uh, we're going to be skipping some parts, and I kind of want to explain that because sometimes people come up and they're like, why did you skip like verse this to, to here? What, what's going on? What are you hiding from us? You know, it's that type of thing. And I'm like, no, it's nothing. It's, um, it's we, as I was looking throughout this week and I'm trying to figure out how we're going to do this series, I realized that there is no possible way that I can dive deep into, into some verses and, uh, and still cover everything. So we're skipping some. I would encourage you, go home and read the letter of Ephesians uh, by yourself. Like, go home and read it. Um, it is super short, okay? If you hate to read, don't use that as an excuse because there's only like three pages in your Bible, all right? You can handle it. Um, but uh, but it, it's good. And if you can understand the book of Ephesians, if you can understand the three pages in your Bible, right? if you get it, if you believe it, I mean, everything that you need to, to understand the Christian faith is all there. All right, you're good. All right, so that's why this book is really, you know, it's so important to us and it, and it, helps, us, it helps us so much. Um, today, what we're going to be talking about is regarded by many, many theologians as one of the most important passages or the most important sections of the Bible. Um, and this is, this is the reason, okay? So many of us, I don't know why this is. I don't know if it's our human nature or, uh, or you know, I don't know if it's something like just deep inside, but, but this is how it is for every single one of us, including myself. But so many of us, we feel like 
we can earn our way to God. We feel like, deep down, somewhere in there, that we can earn our way to God. And this feeling is this. It's, it's the feeling of God owes me. God owes me good things. God owes me heaven. Right? And, and we think God owes me because in our minds, right, not in reality, but in our minds we say, I am a good person. Right? Or I pray, or I go to church, or I was baptized, or, you know, I, uh, I'm a, we think to ourselves, we think, you know, God owes me because I am generally good. But the Bible says something completely opposite. The Bible says that uh, we are not generally good, we are actually generally terrible people. All right? It's, in with, it's, it's within all of us. The Bible says that we are evil, that we're actually enemies of God, and the Bible tells us that God actually does owe us something. But it's not what you think. The Bible tells us that God actually owes us, like, the right thing for God to do, that God owes us hell. We all deserve to be punished for all the, the things that we've done. Why? Because God is a perfectly righteous God, and, and, and everything that we've done, it has to be paid for. That is the right thing for him to do. But God made a way. And he made this way because of his grace, his love, and his mercy, and that is the gospel story, okay? That's the story. That's the good story, the good news story, all right? And that thinking, for some reason, and again, I don't understand why this is, but it's just within all of us, that thinking is so contrary to our natural way of thinking, all right? That's what, and that's really what makes the verses that we're going to be talking about, that makes what the subject that we're going to be talking about today so important as we kind of walk through this uh, together. And again, it's going to be kind of like class, but we'll figure it out. Um, are you guys ready? Okay, all right, thanks. Um, I'll take that, and uh, we'll start in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Trying to move this back a little bit, and it's like, won't stop. Okay, there we go. All right, that didn't do anything, but we'll work with it. He says this, all right, this is key. He says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Pretty simple. Pretty short, pretty easy. What's the second word there? You. you. Who's he talking about? Us. us. See, a lot of times we think of bad people. Well, almost all of us in here, this is how we naturally think, okay? It's just part of our thinking. All right? We think that we're, we're generally good people, and so the bad people, they're always somebody else. Right? Oh, man, those people, that guy at work, oh, that guy drives me crazy. That's a bad person. You know, I have to pick up his slack. I got to do this. I got to do that. You know, we think the bad people are always somebody else. My four-year-old son, Toby, uh, last week, he was, uh, he was just being mean to his brother, his two, my two-year-old son, Wes. He's just being mean to him. All right, he didn't learn that, um, or he learned that on his own. I didn't, you know, no one like taught him that because it's within him. And, uh, and so he's like, he was being mean to him. So I pulled Toby aside and I'm like, dude, why are you being so mean? You know, straight up ask him. And he looked at me and he said, dad, I am not a bad person. <laughs> but here's the deal. It's within us, right? Like, here's... He's only been alive for like four years, okay, four and a half years or something, whatever it is. Um, if you want the exact dates, you ask my wife, not me. Um, however old he is, all right, he's young. Uh, he's only been alive for like four and a half years. But inside, Toby is like, well, I'm not a bad person. Yeah, I'm mean and, you know, I'm a jerk and, you know, but I'm not bad. 
A bad person, that's somebody else. We all think this way, okay? This is something that we all think. It's never us, it's always somebody else. That's why we, you know, put locks on our doors and that's why we put software on our computer because our goal is like, you know, we wanna keep the evil out. We don't want the evil in our life. We don't want the evil in our space. We wanna keep it out. But our problem is not that we are good people who, I don't know, occasionally we lose our way and it's okay because we're pretty good people. That's, that's not our problem. Our problem's not our environment. Our problem's not our parents or how they raised us. Our problem's not our privilege or our lack of privilege. Okay, that's not our problem. Our problem is what Paul's saying here, and this is so key. This is what you gotta understand. Our problem is we either are or if we have a relationship with God, we were spiritually dead. We're spiritually dead. How many of you guys have ever seen a dead thing? Okay, yeah, yeah. Right? There's a dead thing, you know, something that's dead, it's not kind of dead, right? It's not like, you know, kind of twitching. If it's twitching, you know, if it's like, if it's, a, if it's alive, it's alive. If it's dead, it's dead. There's nothing in between. It's either dead or alive. Paul's saying, hey, you were dead. There was no life. It was just all dead. Now, we view sin in a sense Almost as like an action. This, again, this is something that we're kind of wrong on. Um, we view sin as, well, sin, you know, that's when you disobey the Ten Commandments or whatever God tells you to do, you know, lying, stealing, cheating, murder, you know, those are sins. And so when you do that, then you sin. But here, Paul's, he's kind of, he's going deeper. He's digging deeper. He's like, hey, no, 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 no. He's like, sin is actually kind of, it's, it's more of a condition, it's like your actions, those things that you do, lying, stealing, cheating, murder, you know, that type of stuff. He's like, those are, it's in, in a sense, those are like um, symptoms of our condition. See, in a way, we aren't sinners because we sin. In a way, we sin because we're sinners. I mean, think about it. We know this. If you're a parent, um, you know, you didn't have to, like I, like I was kind of saying with Toby, you, you didn't have to teach your kids to sin, Right? They kind of figured it out on their own. Did anybody have to teach their kids to sin, to do wrong? Okay. Um, you know, they, they kind of figure it out. My, my two-year-old Wes, son Wes, he, uh, he, doesn't know how to, he doesn't know how to say many words. Okay. He's kind of behind. I don't know what's going on with him. I try to work with him. I, my, I try to, you know, I think it's Kate's fault, but I don't know. But uh, someday I'll make fun of him. He'll be fine. I'm not worried about it. But, but uh, he, so he doesn't, he's two years old. He says some words sometimes in a lot of things he, he talks about. You can't even understand what he's saying, but maybe in his mind they're actually words. But he doesn't know how to say the word yes, but he knows how to say the word no, right? I didn't teach him how to say no. He learned it. He learned it on his own. He decided to start using that word. You know, it's funny. It's, it's something, every single one of us, we are born with this condition on the inside that we are sinners, Right, we were born with this condition. That's what Paul's get, trying to get us to understand. He's saying, you are born, in a sense, dead, spiritually. We are dead. No life found. 100% dead. Some of you guys are like, wow, glad I came to church this, you know, today. This is great. What an uplifting message this is. You're dead, okay? <laughs> That's what Paul's trying to say. 
And in the next two verses, what Paul's going to do is he's going to unpack, and it's going to get a little bit worse, all right? So hang with me. He's going to unpack what dead actually looks like. And this is what he says. He says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You're dead in your sins. In which you previously lived. He's talking to believers. He's talking to the church. Remember the church in Ephesus? And so these are people who have, who have started a relationship with God, which, by the way, isn't everybody in this room. Um, he says, in which you previously lived according to the ways of the world. According to the ruler of the power of the air, he's talking about Satan, the spirit now working in the disobedient, and he's talking about Satan's spirit. He says, we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and our thoughts, meaning our, our body and our thoughts, they, you know, we're naturally prone to do certain things, and so we go along with it because, because that's who we are, because there's no life in us. And he says, and we were by nature children. This is part of our nature. This is who we are on the inside under wrath as the others were also, basically as everyone else. It's a little complicated, but basically what Paul is saying is saying, hey, you were spiritually dead. You, you were dead. Meaning, you followed the way of the, world, of the world. Meaning the world told you to live one way and you're like, okay, that sounds pretty good to me. Or the world said, hey, you should, you should buy this. And we're like, okay, I'll buy that. Or hey, you should do this. This is cool. Okay, I'll do that. And the world tells us how to live and we just follow along. But even more than that, he goes, he goes even further. He says, actually, not only did you follow the world and do kind of what the world wanted you to do, but, uh, but you actually followed Satan. I mean, think about that. He's saying, you were a Satan follower. But it's even more than that. He takes it even a next step, and he says, you were so much a Satan follower that his spirit was working within you. That's so many times, I mean, we come to church and, you know, it's like we, we talk about God's spirit. God's spirit is supposed to be working within us. We're supposed to be growing closer in our relationship with God. It's supposed to be better and better and better. But he's saying it's like the exact opposite from that. It's like, no, um, when you, before you were a Christian, before you started a relationship with God, you were all on your own. You were dead, all this, you know, dead in sins, dead in your trespasses or whatever. You know, he's going on and on. And then he's like, hey, Satan, you followed Satan and his spirit was actually working within you. It wasn't God's spirit. Actually, Satan's spirit was within you. We don't like to think about that much. Right? We don't think we're that bad. Well, I don't, I don't follow Satan. Paul's saying we did. That was a part of who we are. That was a part of, of what was going on, on the inside. See, this is the beginning of every single one of us. This is the beginning of our personal stories. This is how we all began. I don't care if you're the best Christian in the country, okay, or on earth, all right, this is how your story began. I don't care if you were born in the church on, you know, I don't know how that would happen, but, uh, um, you know, I don't care if, uh, if your first words when, you know, the doctor, you were born and the doctor hit you on the back, your first words was Jesus. It doesn't matter, okay? You were born dead. We were all messed up. This is the beginning of all of our stories. All right, this is everyone's testimony in this room if we are Christians, how we all began. All of us were completely dead and we were stuck. Nothing we could do about it. And the honest truth is, some of you, you're still dead. Right? 
I mean, if you're not a Christian and you're trying to figure this thing out, um, that's what Paul's saying. Paul's like, hey, you're, uh, you're still dead. Like, this is, this is who you are. This is what's on the inside. We don't like to think about this and we don't like to hear about this, but Paul's saying this is the issue. But God made a way, right? That's the next verse. Uh, the next two words, it says, but God. So Paul, he just goes into detail about how bad we are. We're Satan followers. We've got Satan's spirit even within us and, and he, they're, he's manipulating us and we just kind of follow whatever Satan says and follow whatever, whatever the world says. But he says, but God. But God stepped in. Who, by the way, is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us. He made us alive with Christ, the opposite of dead, even though, all right, even though we were dead in trespasses. And then Paul says, guess what? You were saved by grace, right? This is the only story there is for us. Those of us who are Christians, I mean, this is the only story. It's not you did a whole bunch of stuff and it was good. It's, it's, it's none of that. It's, this is the only story that we go, that we were dead. We were so dead. We were lost. We were doing whatever Satan wanted us to do, whatever the world was doing. That's what we were doing. We were, we were lost, stuck, dead people, and God stepped in, and now we're alive. Our story changed, right? Completely flipped. And why did he do that? Well, he did that because he was rich in mercy and love. Well, well how did he do it? Well, he did it through grace. Now, Last week, we talked about grace. A few weeks ago, um, we were talking about grace again. Um, but uh, grace, you know, if you don't know what that is, you're like, okay, what's grace? Uh, grace is unmerited kindness, okay? That's, that's kindness that God gives us that he doesn't have to give us, okay? Again, it's the opposite of our thinking. We think God owes us kindness, but no, Paul's like, no, actually, God doesn't owe us kindness at all. That's not what we deserve. God gives us kindness, and when he gives us kindness, that's grace. There's no kindness or grace that we, we can't buy it from God. We can't purchase it. We can't, hey, you do this for me, I'll do this for you. We can't make a, strike up a deal with God. The grace that God gives us, the kindness that he gives us is completely grace, there's nothing we can do to get it. We can't earn it ourselves, right? Last week, um, Paul was saying in the first chapter, he's saying God lavished his grace on us. And then he said, God poured out his grace on us, right? He poured out his grace. Again, it's not like, oh, you know, little Johnny did that again. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. It's wrong, but it's funny. You know, God's just like, oh, here's some grace, there you go. Oh, you need some? Here's some. I'll flick some grace at you. Okay, we're all good. Oh, that's so cute. You guys are misbehaving. You know, it's not what happens. He's saying, man, you guys are evil people, right? You guys are dead. You're following Satan. You're doing all this stuff. And he's like, I have so much grace within me that I'm just pouring it out. I'm just unloading this grace on you. You don't deserve it. There's nothing you could ever do to deserve it. I'm just, I'm just unloading it all on you because I am, as, as Paul's saying, God is rich in grace. He's got so much grace. See, we're saved by grace. But not only are we saved by grace, not only did God save us, but check this out. 
in verse 6. He says, he also raised us up with him. And he seated us with him in the heavens in Jesus or in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might display the immeasurable riches. Okay, he's talking about God's rich grace. The measurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. See, he's saying, hey, you are saved by grace. Okay, God, he gives you this grace, but even more than that, he's saying, hey, God, has, he's going to raise you up so that you can be with him. I mean, think about that. Could God have just, just saved us? He paid our price. He died on the cross. He did all that stuff for us, and, uh, and, and our debt's free, and that could have been it. I mean, that could have been the best gift, you know, the best gift we could ever imagine, and, and that's what he did, but he did more than that. Right, he did more than that. He wants to be with you. Just think about that for a second. The God of the universe, who created the heavens and the earth, right? And he created, by the way, through words. He just said, uh, let there be, bam, and it was there, right? All powerful. He's been around for eternity. Okay, we can't even fathom eternity. That being wants to be with you. He wants to be with me. Why? I don't know. He's just got love. I don't know why he's got love for us. I don't get why he cares. But not only did he choose to save us, but he wants to be with us. I mean, it's crazy. He wants to be with us. He wants that relationship with us. I mean, and not only that, it gets even crazier. It says, so that in the coming ages, he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace. So not only does God save you, and not only does he want to be with you, but he wants to show you just how rich in grace he actually is. He wants to show us just how far apart from him we actually are. And it's not like a belittling thing because that's what we do when we try to separate ourselves from somebody else. A lot of times we're just like, you know, we talk bad about a person. It's like we kind of try to put them down, which in turn kind of elevates us up. That's not how God does it, okay? God's doing the opposite. He's like, hey, yeah, you're evil, you're messed up, but don't think about that. Look how good I am. Look how high I am. Look how much grace I have. I got so much grace. It's like we're going to spend eternity just wowing after his grace. It's like he wants to wow us with his grace. We'll just spend eternity all right, marveling at, wow, that's crazy. Wow, I didn't know you could do that. Wow, look at all this grace. Wow, you saved me. You know, this is, this is so crazy. That is what God wants to do with us. He wants to spend time with us, but he also wants to show us who he is. He wants us to get to know him. And we'll do that forever, and it'll never get old. And then next, Paul, he kind of wraps it all up in a nice couple, nice, neat little verses. And this is one of the most well-known verses in the entire Bible. And some of you guys, I don't know, maybe you got these memorized. But this is what he says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. This is, again, so key to the entire gospel message. Uh, this, this is, here it is, all right. He says, for you, we got the you again, for you are saved. Who's you? Okay, just making sure. All right, some of you guys were getting glassy. I looked over and was like, better check. All right. 
For you, or for we, whatever, are saved by grace through faith, through our faith in Jesus. And this is not from yourselves, okay? We kind of mess this up sometimes. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. Isn't that what we do? Right, when we, uh, when we do something good, a lot of times we walk around and we start, you know, chest comes out a little higher, stand a little taller, and it's like, yeah, I did that, you know? Or, or a few things go our way. It might not even be like, like we did anything. Just a few things, a few good things go our way, and we're like, yeah, I'm pretty good, you know? We like to boast. It's not even we have to, we have to say anything. It's like it's just something within our heart thinks that. He's saying, hey, this isn't anything you did. This is straight God. We have, in a sense, nothing to do with it at that point. See, we don't deserve this grace. It is a complete gift. You can't pay for it. You can't earn it. You can't work your way there. There is no possible way you can do anything to receive it by yourself. Why? Because we were dead. Because we're dead. See, that, for some reason, is what we struggle with. See, some of us, this is what we do. And the problem is there's a, churches all around us that, that this is what they teach. And this is completely wrong. This is, the, this is messing up the gospel, okay? Messing up the, the good news. Messing up the, the, really the heart of Christianity. But this is what we do. We put some of our faith in Jesus, but we also put some of our faith in some of the things that we do. Okay, it's the exact opposite of what Paul's saying here. Right? And, and we put, you know, some of us, we walk around and it's like, well, you know, I put 70% of my faith in Jesus and I believe in Jesus. I like Jesus. Jesus is good. You know, he saved my life, all this kind of stuff. And I put my trust in him. But I got 30% of my trust in my baptism. That's a good Bible thing. You know, that's a good thing. God wants me to get baptized. So I put it in here. See, that's really the problem with a, with, with a lot of churches, not every church, of course, but a lot of churches, and, and I know a lot of people in here, um, you know, you guys were raised Catholic, and, and, but this is our problem with the Catholic church, all right? Because the Bible clearly teaches that you don't get to heaven by doing good stuff. And there's a bunch of churches that teach the opposite. There's a bunch of churches that say, no, 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 you have to, you know, I have to be baptized, or you have to be a member of, of the church, all right? Or you have to, you know, some Catholicism, whatever, you know what I'm trying to say, Catholicism stuff. It's, you know, you have to, you need to, um, well, you need to be a member of the church and you need to, uh, com- you know, do confession, you need to go to mass, you need to do all this stuff. Some churches, it's just, hey, you just need to do a good, per- you just need to be a good person, you just need to be, do a bunch of good stuff. And the Bible's like, no, 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 that is not how it works, That is messing up the heart of the gospel story. That's messing up the heart of Christianity. See, there is so, it's so sad because there are so many people trying to earn what Paul just said cannot be earned. So many people are living their life trying to do whatever they possibly can do to get there. And Paul's like, no, you're wasting your life. That is not how it works. See, in the last verse of verse 10, he says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. 
Really what he, he's saying here is saying, hey, you know, you think you're a good person, you think you do good, you do good sometimes, sure, but actually, God's, you know, Paul's saying, actually, God is the one who lets you do that good stuff. God prepared that, not you. Even the good stuff you did, that's not actually from you because we're completely evil on the inside. He's saying that was, that's actually God. We belong to God. And then he uses the word workmanship. Now, this word is so cool. Um, workmanship, I mean, he's saying, hey, we got completely formed and made the exact specific way that he wanted us. He didn't make any mistakes. Right? Actually, in the Greek, um, the word kind of refers to like, like creating a, or writing a poem, okay? Um, you know, I don't know much about poem. I'm not even into poems. Uh, some of you guys, maybe, you're, you know, you write poems and you read poems and, you know, you're like all into poetry. I'm not, um, but uh, good for you. Actually, I'm just adding this in for you artsy people, so uh, this is for you. Uh, but, uh, but really, I mean, what do you got to do when you write a poem? I don't know much about poems, but this I do know. I mean, you can't just write a sentence and you're good, right? At least, if it is that easy, maybe I do like poems, I don't know, all right? It's not just you write a, write a sentence and you're good, all right? It takes, like, you gotta kinda, like, craft it. Like, it's gotta flow right, okay? It's, uh, you know, it's, it's gotta go together. You have to put thought into it. Well, that's how, like, somebody sits down and they spend time thinking about how they're going to write a poem. That's how God created us. God sat down, thought about it. You know, he, he, he created us with his creativity. Right? He just wasn't like, ah, ah, no. He's like, I want this person exactly this way. See, he designed us the way that he wanted us, and we we were the ones that turned from him. And the little good that we do, yeah, it's because of God anyway. It's not even us. The little good that we do that we take credit for, it's actually not even us. See, our collective story, as a collective, personally, we're all dead, right? That's how we started. We were born, we were dead. But our collective story, it didn't begin with depravity or uh, deadness or sinfulness. Actually, it was kind of crazy. It started with the opposite. As a human race, God looked at us and he said, hey, they're pretty good. Hey, they're good. That is, he looked at us and he said, that is good. That's how he created us. And we had a maid. We were in the garden. He was perfect. He had a place for us he, that he created for us. We, I mean, think about it. We didn't even need faith. Why? Because he was there. That's how he created us. We were created, every single one of us in here, we were created to have a special, unique, personal relationship with our creator. That's what somewhere deep down inside, I mean, that's what we long for. That's what we search for. That's what we were created and made for. And we had it. And everything got messed up when sin entered the world. When Adam and Eve decided to do life on their own, do life their way because they had a choice, when Adam and Eve decided to do life their way instead of God's way. By the way, the Bible tells us it makes it clear that sin entered the world not because of what Eve did, sin entered the world because of what Adam did. <laughs> Somebody like that. All right, there you go. <laughs> I'm assuming that was not a man. Okay. All right, it's because of what Adam did. All right, sin entered the human race through him because he was the leader. All right, it was his, it was his issue. 
And so sin, when that entered the world, it broke our relationship with our creator, our creator that we were supposed to have this special, deep, personal, awesome, unique relationship with. It just broke because God is completely holy and he cannot be with sin. But not only did it break our relationship with our creator that we were made, that we were specifically created to have, but it broke our innermost desires. It broke our mind. It broke the way that we think. It broke our world. Sin and or, or sickness and death entered the world and it hasn't been, you know, it hasn't left since. And in that moment, our story turned bad as a collective. But God fixed it through his grace and his kindness. See, what's sad is there's some people in here and there's, you know, people out there that it's like they can't get past the fall. They can't get past what Adam and Eve did and, and, and that sin. And in reality, their story is stuck, their personal story is stuck in sin and death. I don't know, I don't know where you're at. Maybe, that, maybe that's you. Maybe you're feeling that. And it's like you keep trying to fix your own story, but it just nothing ever works. You keep trying to fill this space that was once filled with God, okay? Uh, but but it, and, and that space that we are created to have for God. But uh, we, instead of God, we fill it with just a bunch of worldly stuff. Just a bunch of stuff. And you know more than anybody that it doesn't work. It doesn't work. But you keep going back to those very things that can't satisfy. And it's like for just so many people in all of our lives, you know, it's just a cycle over and over and over again. And what's so sad about it is people don't even know that they're on it. See, our society doesn't help things. Our society, you can't even talk about sin anymore. And well, you can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me I'm wrong. All right, what's good for me, you know, what's, what's wrong for you might not be wrong for me. This is how we think, all right? We think to ourselves, it's like, you know, there's no sin anymore. Society says there's no sin anymore. All you just need is like some therapy and maybe you go to a counselor. You're not bad, all right? You're not, you're not bad. You just need to go see and talk to somebody who has a degree and they'll help you out, all right? That's what society tells us. We think to ourselves, we're like, well, nobody needs to tell me what to do until we're like 45 years old and, and you know, our life is a mess and then we could go to a counselor and they could tell us what to do and then we'll be good. But it's not because of us, not because, you know, we think to ourselves, it's not because I'm bad. And a lot of people, this is what we all do, including myself, right? When, when we have problems in our life, what do we do? We blame others. Well, it's not, it's not my fault. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's because this happened to me. You know, some of us, we just need to realize that it's not because my dad didn't hug me enough. My problems aren't because of uh, some horrible thing that happened in my childhood. My problems aren't because of what my ex-wife did to me or what my ex-husband did to me. My problem is, if we are not a Christian, the problem is we are spiritually dead. That's our problem. Our problem is that we are sinners. And you cannot have a relationship with God unless you don't understand that. I mean, you have to understand that. That's the key thing. And for the past decade, I've been counseling with people and talking to people, people come into my office and they'll unload their story on me and, I, and I'll listen to it. And, and uh, they'll tell me about all their problems and everything that's going on. And a lot of times they're blaming others, right? I mean, that's, that's what everybody does. 
And uh, a lot of times they have excuses for why they've done what they did. You know, I did this. I know it probably wasn't right, but this is the reason, and so I had to do it this way. And, and it's like, after they're done with their story, like, the, you know, well, I just want to scream at them, and I don't usually, but sometimes I just, mm, right? I just want to scream, you know, you know what your problem is? It's not them. It's not that. It's not this. It's not. No, your problem is that you are a sinner. That's what screwed up your life. That's why your life isn't what you think it should be because we are all sinners. We are, we are all in rebellion against God. And what's sad about it is a lot of those people, that's their story. And they haven't gotten out of it. Their story is currently being dead. But in reality, God's standing there and he's saying, hey, come to me. Like, come to me. Stop going after that and this and this and this. Just, just come to me. I got this. I got like so much grace back here. I'm about to, I just want to pour it out on you. But you got you to gotta come to me. And we look at God and we, we know that God, you know, or at least every single person in this room, we've heard of God because we're here. Um, and it's like, you know, we, we've heard of God and we just look, we're like, okay, yeah, God, I see you there, but I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go chase after money or I'm going to go after this promotion. Or I'm going to go after this affair or I'm going to go after this house that I really want. I'm going to go after this stuff and I'm going to try this first. But it, it is crazy because it's no matter how many times it betrays us, no matter how many times going after other things brings us shame, guilt, regret, you know, all this stuff, it's like we run back to it. You know, it's like we're really dumb creatures sometimes. We just go back to it. But for some of us, that's our story. We're dead. The end. But it doesn't have to be. The Bible makes this super clear. The Bible says, hey, all you got to do is number one, you gotta realize that you've done wrong. And I think a lot of us in here, we're like, yeah, I'm not perfect. I'll be the first one to admit I'm not perfect. So, so I got that done. But no, 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 it's this. You gotta realize that you've done wrong and you've done so much wrong that you can never repay it. You can never do enough good things. Your good things don't outweigh your bad, okay? Doesn't happen. That's not how it works because your problem is you don't know how uh, little good things you do and you don't understand how many bad things you've ever done, okay? It doesn't, it's not, it's not how it works. So we gotta realize that, that we are you know, that, you know, we are all evil, bad people, and so we needed saving, but God came down and he saved us. He died on the cross for us. He sacrificed himself, which, by the way, cost him something. He paid a heavy price for you to give you the opportunity to come to him. And so the third thing is, all you got to do is you just got to say, hey, I give you my life. I surrender my life to you. I'm tired of chasing off all this crap. I'm giving my life to you. You gotta surrender yourself to him. And that's hard too. But that's just one simple conversation. You know, a lot of you guys, you're just one simple conversation away from, with God from life. There's no better way to do that than today. If you have any questions, AJ and I will be down here after the service. But we would love to help you work through that in your mind. That biggest decision, most important decision you could ever make in your entire life. But for the rest of you, for those of you that are Christians, for those of you that truly do have a relationship with God, let me just say this. What joy can we have knowing that we were once dead, like dead, dead, but God came, he paid a price, and he brings us, he allows us to be alive again. 
Not only did he save us because he's got so much grace and he just keeps pouring it out on us, but not only did that, but he wants to be with us. Sinners, jacked up people. He wants to be with us. And he wants to spend eternity with us getting to know him better. He wants to spend eternity wowing us with his grace. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your grace. There's nothing we could ever do to save ourselves. There's no amount of, you know, there's nothing we, you know, you know amount that we can pay you. We can't earn it. It's all you. All right, God, for some of us in here, we just got to realize that, hey, there's nothing I can do to do this. I can only, to be saved, I just have to trust in you. I have to hand it all over to you. I got to surrender my life to you. And we ask that if they have not done that yet today, that, you, that they would do that most important decision they could ever make in their entire life. But God, thank you for saving us and thank you for not just sprinkling your grace on us. We thank you for pouring out your grace on us. Your kindness that we don't deserve in any way. And God, we love you and we thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.